This is Delincey Parham, and I want to welcome everybody to Hella Black, brought to you by way of the African Black Coalition. For those of you who don't know what the African Black Coalition is, it's a coalition of the 16 black student unions throughout the state of California. The African Black Coalition is the largest black youth organization in California. And with this podcast, we hope to start healthy dialogue about many of the issues that have been plaguing the black community. So this is Hella Black, and you know, we got some very special guests in here today. I don't know how many of you guys know about it, but we got the Black Neighborhood today, man. You know, give them a round of applause. Shout out to the Black Neighborhood. Um, you know, these young men, they've been making some tremendous strides in the community. Um, not just Oakland, but the East Bay as a whole. I'm assuming that's what they want to affect, but um, I'm gonna let them go on here and introduce themselves. How's everyone doing? My name is Kimani. I'm from Richmond, California. Just graduated from Howard University in DC. Uh, how you doing? My name is Royce Hughes. I'm also from Richmond, California. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just trying to empower our, you feel me, our communities and uplift our people as well and give back. How's it going, everyone? My name is Corey Elliott. I am also from Richmond, California. Graduated from Howard University in 2013, and I am currently a teacher. That's it. Hi, uh, my name's Uzo. <laughs> Come on. I should have said my last name too. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Yeah. Come on, bro. Hi, my name's Uzo. I'm from uh, East Oakland, California. Graduated from San Jose State University in 2015. Currently an after school teacher and a basketball coach at Elmhurst uh, Elementary School. Hello. My name is Efren Vivas, and I'm from Oakland, California. Uh, currently an artist. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? I go by the name of International Jesus, born and raised in East Oakland, California. Also a Howard University 2015 graduate um, and a rapper as well. West Coast. All right, man. So I see we got, we got six in here. How many is the total in the black neighborhood? Uh, Y'all want to give a shout out to, you know, the people that aren't here? Oh, yeah, man. Shout out G Molly. Shout out uh, Dev. Shout uh, out Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pat. You feel me? Man, so I see the way y'all rocking, man. Y'all, y'all, um, y'all childhood friends or what? Yeah, for the most part, we're family and friends. Blood. Blood and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for the most part, you know, we got, a, we got some uh, Howard alumni in here, so that's yeah. how we connect it all together. Not all from Howard, but you feel me? That's how, you know, Bryce is friends with him. He friends with him. And so that's how we got connected. And uh, so how'd the, um, the black neighborhood get started? Perfect time. Nah, but really, uh, for me, um, it was really after I watched this uh, Black Panther documentary. Um, PBS aired about three months ago, and it was just something about that, like just seeing uh, all those people, what they was doing, what they stood for, the Black Panthers, and being that it all started in Oakland. It was like after that, I just, you know, felt inspired to do something. So all of my homies, we all watched it around the same time. And so after, uh, gathered all of us together um, at the house and really just brainstormed and plotted out like a, you know, a real plan as to what we want to do and how we feel like we can be useful. Because the thing about all of us is like, we all leaders in our own right. And so I felt like, why not always do this? We always been talking about this, like individually, we always have talks about stuff we want to change. And so I felt like the black neighborhood was that change. And we just moved um, from there, just been pushing ever since. 
Yeah, that's something I see a lot, man. Especially out here, you know, a lot of people they talk about change and they be hella adamant about it. And they they really want to do it, but they don't never really take no no steps forward. So, what was it in that documentary that really like sparked that flame to get y'all going? What did you see? Well, yeah, I'll just go and have everybody else go too. But for me, it was just like it was crazy to see like almost forty or fifty years later, the same shit is still happening. Police brutality. You look at the Black Panthers. That's what they started for to patrol the uh, police and it's like fast forward 2016 it's the same shit and so um for me i just wanted i just felt like i had to do something like i could like i felt almost like doing a disservice to my people if we were here we see this we know what's going on and we don't speak out about it it's one thing to not know about it but i feel like once you know better you got to do better and so that was the thing for me so everybody else can say what they feel that's how i felt definitely just to piggyback off what bryce said we were tired of being the audience looking at the news, only portraying us, us meaning black folks, as negative. Only showing Oakland and Richmond the violence that happens. But there's much more that goes into that. They don't really take time to really get to know people, to know why they struggle, to know why they're, you know, hooked off drugs and everything. So we just felt like we had to do better and really spark the thought or be the catalyst for our generation to make a difference. And like, what's, what's the main goal behind the black, the black neighborhood? Like, what's, what's y'all main objective? Like, to just bring awareness or what? Um, hi again, this is Corey. I would say, you know, as Bryce said, we're all leaders. So we all have our own personal vision of where this can go. However, it is to create and sustain change. Yes, we want to give the kids hope, but we also want to be a foundation and a push forward in a vehicle that kids can see and everyone in our communities can see if we work together. We gave out shoes. We fed people. That's changed. Someone didn't go hungry at night because we were out there in the streets. In, in all forms, whether it's education, whether it's political, whether it's violent, we want to bring, aware, uh, we, we bring awareness and bring change. Amen. All right, man. So, um, what was, uh, what's been like your biggest accomplishment so far? I've seen the food giveaway, and I think it was something else y'all did with the, with the what is it, People's Baptist Church? Mm-hmm. So like, what's, what's been like the biggest thing y'all did so far that you're most proud of? Uh, I would say, I would say is that, just being able to, like he said, feed, you know, put shoes on people's um, feet, man, it's, it's a big feat in itself, so like for us, just to partner with them, um, I mean, that's a big accomplishment, but it's like, you know, I don't want either, none of us want to get just, you know, complacent to think that's all we can do. Like, we doing stuff, we trying to do stuff every day and it's no limits to this so I feel like for us um, that was a big feat obviously the East Bay Express interview because what that did that just gave us more exposure to people who didn't know who we are I feel like the East Bay Express that's a, a newspaper that everybody reads not just black people and so for us to have that and really say like the headline said International Jesus seeks to unify the black neighborhood but it's all of us just for that in itself was a, a big feat and something that you know that's going to live forever that never goes away so Mm-hmm. Like that. And what was you guys' experience like growing up out here? Did you guys have any, um, like I guess like any role models that like kind of like got you guys on this path? Like, did you see anybody doing this? What you guys doing right now when you were growing up? Uh, I mean, for me, um, I would say like my football coaches. Like, I had a couple young football coaches from Cal that that came to my school and that I seen that was young. That was kind of like my age and trying to steer me to the right path. I mean, for me, growing up in Richmond, in the streets of Richmond, it was always bad. And pretty, I'm pretty sure, I mean, in Oakland, too, we all had our experiences. 
with being from, you know, bad neighborhoods and running the streets like that and then having role models and people that you can look up to that was like, you feel me, young and still look like you. And so for the most part, I say like my football coaches that I had, you feel me, growing up in high school that, that really pushed me and wanted to see me off the streets as well as like my big homies in the neighborhood too as well. Like, you know, like Royce, get off the streets. You don't belong out here. Like just stuff like that. So you feel me? Just I say people like big homies in the neighborhood and my football coaches. Uh, for me, it's a little different. Uh, from my experience growing up, I, uh, my father got uh, killed when I was around the age of seven, so I really didn't have any male role models around. Um, and to keep be quite honest, it wasn't a lot of people I really looked up to at the time. So to be a part of something like this, it was I, I felt like we could be that change of the people that uh, young ones could look up to. Because I don't feel like uh, there are people out there like us doing stuff that we're doing. And because of that, and because of how we look and how uh, the youth can connect to us, we can bridge that gap and, you know, make it something common. And um, that's part of the reason why I think what we're doing is special because a lot of kids out there don't have those role models out there. You know, they don't have those people out there to look up to. They don't have those football coaches. They can relate to everyone, you know. Generational gaps are different, and I feel like we could bridge that gap being at the age we at and also looking and being from where we come from, you know, uh, black males from the inner city, you know, that kids can relate to, that we, we all walk different paths of life that I feel like every kid out there or everyone out there can relate to some part or some path that we don't walk in. I think that's what makes what we're doing special. I completely agree, man, because I look at the way I grew up, right, and I'm pretty much just a product of all the people that I hung around, and that's for better or for worse. So imagine if we, like, well, what you guys doing can, can completely change the mode of, the, of just the black community in general just, to, just for them to see something new. You know, like, you pick up the habits of the people you're around. So if you got people that's, that are doing positive things like the black neighborhood, like, that's going to change the, the complete perspective, the shift in everything. So I definitely think this is something that's necessary, man. I grew up in a lot of, um, a lot of after-school programs and stuff, man. Like, like you said, having, I played football, too. So having football coaches, like, always have some positive reinforcement among so much negativity. I think that's, like, really, really important, bro. Real quick, to go off of what everybody said, it's like the thing that makes it so special, um, all of us being from Oakland and Richmond, we really from these places. And what I mean by that, we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with these environments. So, you know, a lot of times you get people that want to help out, but they can't connect to the people that's in these streets because they never really been there. Not to say that we've sold drugs or killed anybody, but I definitely know people that I have. And I've been, those are my family members, people that I love. So for me, it was always like knowing that I was blessed, but at the same time, I had an obligation to give back to my people because it's like God put me in this position, put us in these positions for a reason, and that's to give back and to, you know, not just, you know, come, come complacent in what we're doing. So I felt like that's a, a major key for us, just knowing that we really come from these environments. We know the ins and outs and the good and the bad and, and able to make a way out for people. Yeah, man, because you get people coming from these from outside places, like people who didn't grow up in the community, who don't know about the culture, they come in, and they might have good intentions, but if they don't even know how to relate a message the right way, it's going to go completely over your head, or you might take it the wrong way. So I definitely think it's important to have people that, um, that grew up in the area. We can relate this to like police brutality, right? You get a cop who's from Marin, grew up in Marin his whole life. When he come in, he joins OPD. He don't know nothing about the people except what he didn't seen on TV. So he instantly hit the field, and he's scared. That's why we see, see all these cops, you know, shooting people in the streets because they don't understand us. I think if we get more people that's grew up around here that looked like us, we could really start changing things. I think that's important. But um, mm -hmm. so tell me about the work you guys did with the, is the People's Baptist Church? Because it's not often, man. Like you, the church has always been 
a key foundation in the um in my opinion for the the progression of black people like even if you go back to slavery right like that's where we would meet and that's from you know get together to, to even to plan the re the revolts to plan the revolutions and then through the um the civil rights movement like the church has always been instrumental i think that's something we strayed away from so it's nice to see like did y'all grow up in the church or what like how did, how did that relationship come about uh <laughs> well i mean pretty much all of us grew up in church but i don't think uh, us finding people church necessarily has something to do with that. We all wanted to do some community service work, and so we all reached out to like you know a bunch of people, and then eventually we found one which was People's Church, and uh, so Bryce linked up with a, a lady from the church named Miss uh, Miss Faye, and so she had a produce giveaway, and she does it every Thursday or last Thursday of the month, and so we you know we volunteered our time, and we did it. What what was that? Uh, Easter, April. Uh, the first one, yeah, I think that was. In yeah, April. end of April, uh, right before Easter. So we did that first one. That was you feel me, and it was a huge success. Like all the people out there liked us. They loved us. They thanked us for coming out to help. And uh, so you know, we linked up with Miss Faye after that, and she she wanted us to continue to come back. And so you know, the rest was history. And how have they um. Is that, you've only done that one project with them? Just one, or you plan on doing more work with them in the future? We've actually done done it twice. Done it twice? And the next one is next Thursday. Mm -hmm. Where is that at? 88 from MacArthur. Um, for people that's familiar with the East Oakland area, it's right next to Castlemont High. It's like Castlemont, and it's um, Youth Uprising. It's right across the street, so you can't really miss it. It's on the main street. Time and day. Oh, so next Thursday, which is April, I'm sorry, May 26th, um, from 12 to 3 p.m. We'll be out there um, giving out groceries. Uh, we may bring the shoes back out too because that was a big hit, but at the very least, we'll have groceries for everybody to come through, um, come support, come, you know, if you want to help volunteer, you can do that too. And just, you know, just really show the community that we care and we are part of the community is the main thing for us. What are some of the key issues in, um, I guess, in the community that you guys are really adamant about, like some things that you would like to see changed? Yeah, let my man get on the mic, man. All right, all right. So I think um, a big thing we should change is uh, the way we see ourselves and everything like that. You know, the differences we see in each other are really the, the things that make us the same because, you know, I feel like from my end, how I grew up, a lot of people didn't relate to me because I wasn't the drug dealing kid or, you know, the kid who sagged hella hard or was just trying to front on being something he wasn't. I was just, you know, me kind of being square about art and some, some anime or some shit like that, you know? So... I think that <clears throat> I think when people see that we're all the same, they'd be more about working together and seeing a common goal rather than fighting each other and just being mad that we look different. So that you know th that pushes us further from each other and success because we're too busy fighting each other. You know what I mean? And it goes deeper than you know than looking at somebody for what they don't do, but and, you know, yeah. Uh, I think all we do, just to go off about what, we, what he just said, and all we do, I think, for the most part, we just want to accomplish unity in the in our community. Um, I think through all we do, that's what we're trying to accomplish, and that's one thing uh, the African-American or just the minority community is missing in itself is unity. Um, uh, we had a talk with some kids down in Walnut Creek, was it? Uh, oh, that's another event we had. In Lafayette. Yeah. 
Benley High, uh, where we where we spoke to African American kids about the problems in the African American community, and that's one thing we touched on was unity. Uh, I feel like when things go wrong, or even when we pointing out flaws, we are the first to point them out in each other, and I think uh, that's one thing we have to fix. And uh, before we can fix anything else, we have to fix ourselves. And I feel like at the end of the day, if we could unify, if we could just, uh, you, you know, like he just said, he, he may be different, come from a different background, come from a different walk of life. But that, that you being, being an African-American brother, you should be able to relate to him, you know, because he's going through the same struggles you're going through, uh, whether he grew up in the same neighborhood you grew up in. So, yeah. When would you guys say you uh, developed this perspective? Because, I mean, I grew up out here, and I would say for a while I got caught up in, like, some of the stereotypes and I fell into some of the traps. But it wasn't until I was about – I don't think I became, like, conscious of, like, what I was doing and how my actions were affecting me until I was, like, well, in, you know, to, to, like, my early 20s, like, either my sophomore or junior year. Like, when did you guys really start realizing that you were probably part of the problem and needed to make some change? If any, if you were ever – because I was a part of the problem at one point. You know, I was feel, feeding into a lot of stereotypes. Uh, I think, for me, one thing that, that, that kind of – made the switch go off in my head is um talking to my uh, my partner Bryce I grew up with him since middle school so uh, we we talk about a lot of things we go through but uh this past summer when we lost one of our close friends to uh to police to police brutality and that kind of opened my eyes because I was always one of those dudes that that kind of felt like things in this world were gonna happen bad right or wrong you know police were going gonna kill people uh you know just just every things are gonna be bad that's just the way it is and that's the way i looked at it until it happened to somebody close to me it kind of just it kind of just shook me up and i realized that i could be him you know that could have been me that could have been my brother and and you know that just really opened my eyes and that that kind of made me switch my whole perspective and wanted me to go out there and do something because i feel like you know, too many things are going on in our community and we're not speaking out on. So we need to be the one speaking out on it if we want the change. You know, it's, it don't make no sense for us to be complaining about something and then we just going about our day. If you're complaining about something, you should speak up on it. You know, and I feel like that's that's where a lot of us are kind of at. You know, we don't we don't feel like our voice means anything, and that and that's where I think we trying to spark. You know, that plug in people said. I would also just say that um, <clears throat> becoming self-aware. I don't know if I was necessarily directly a part of the problem, but I was in not looking for a solution and not taking responsibility for the problem that's landed on our chest, basically. Right? Like, everything we're talking about, it's been a problem since we were kids and before we were even alive. And somewhere along the way, there were a lot of organizations, a lot of individuals that did everything they could, but there were not enough of us to collectively push forward. And I know when I was probably 22 23 i accept it like whoa everything that's going on in the hood right now i feel like is partly my responsibility because i can create a change man i heard i heard a good quote it was um it's nobody's fault but it's your responsibility you know what i'm saying like you might not have started it you know but it's if you once you become conscious of something it's at that point it's your responsibility to change it and i think are you you still going i'll say um (laughs) man yeah for me it was just being able to like travel um i was afforded the opportunity to like study abroad in spain in 2012 for like four months mind you i get out there and i'm really like the only black person out there that i've seen and so for me just to like see how much power that had and like how much um how much people you know looked at me i was kind of like 
put out there to be that face of African Americans and black people because it's like all they're seeing is TV and you know negative um, negative stereotypes and so for me to get out there and really show my face and show them like yes I'm black I can be educated I can dance I can you feel me talk I can rap all these same things and still be able to relate to each and every person um, I think that was the breakthrough and so when I came back and just hanging around people that I hang around my friends my loved ones that may be struggling I knew like this is not for us like the, the environments that they put us in is not for us to stay in and so from that point on, I think it was just something that just awoken in me and just had me, like, gave me, like, the responsibility to, to do something. I don't know what that looked like, but this is what it is now. And and just to, like, last thing, like, my, my dad always told me, he was like, we all know the problem. Like, the problem's been going on for years, like, hundreds of years. So only thing thing going to change is when you find a solution. And so that was what the black neighborhood is, the solution. So I see this as an, uh, an all-male org. Was that on purpose? Or you guys got... No, we we actually have a, a woman. Yeah. Yeah. You guys plan on adding it anymore? Yeah, no, we definitely see. That's the thing that, that, that's been going on right now. Like, a lot of people has been wanting to hop on board and join, you know, join us. And that's all love. But for me, I just feel like in order for us to are adding people, we got to have our foundation set. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the Black Panther Party, one of the things that messed them up is with that they was letting everybody in. It wasn't no screening process. If you wanted to get in, you was black, you can get in. And you see what happened to them. Actually, William O'Neill, an African-American, ended up turning on them and working with the cops and fucked up everything. So for me, not to say anybody going to do that, but we got to just be very particular about who we add on. And, and before we add on people, we got to know what it is that we really want to stand for. Because if we don't know, somebody else getting to this motherfucker, nobody going to know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's going to mess everything up. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're working on right now. Just kind of like building that foundation before we add people. That's a great yeah. perspective to have, bro, to have that kind of patience, you know. Because I know, like, people be pressed for change, bro. Especially, like, I feel like y'all could be out here just rushing and, you know, you could drop, drop the ball. But I, I think that's a, a good perspective to have is that patience. Change ain't gonna happen overnight, man. You definitely gotta be patient. Yeah. All right. So right now we are gonna let everybody um give a little background information on who they are and uh why they do what they do. You know, like you mind you started off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Kimani Elliott. Grew up in Richmond, California. Born and raised. Went to Howard in D.C. Graduated 2015, came back. I'm currently a program coordinator at an elementary school in Richmond. I love my job. I love the youth. I love giving back. I would love to serve as, like I said, a catalyst, this group to serve as a catalyst to bring like-minded individuals to make a change. All right. Again, my name is Corey Elliott. Uh, Yes, my brother's Kimani Elliott. We're both born and raised in Richmond, California. Um, I started college at Morehouse College, graduated from Howard University in Washington, D.C. And after graduation, I moved to New York, and I've been teaching in New York for the past three years. I just moved back here a couple months ago, and in the fall, I will be a fifth-grade English teacher. Um, in regards to me as an individual, you know, it's, it's, it's really just about recognizing the love that we have for each other. I think a large portion of that is understanding the value of black women and of how they have helped us grow. You know, I would also say most of us not being raised with our fathers every day, we had to learn through trial and error and we had to essentially raise each other. Um, And it's just so important for the kids nowadays to see that there are other ways to make money, to understand the the reality that everyone white isn't making $100,000 a year and that you can be in the mid 
class and be, you know, financially stable and successful. And they really need to know that there are people who care ab about them, who listen to them, and there are so many different ways for them to find their passion. Uh, yeah, my name's Royce Hughes. I'm also from Richmond, California. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, I went to Kennedy, played football. Then I went to CC, got a scholarship to Faulkner University where I played football. And then I came home to, uh, to party promote. I started this, this group. I, well, I helped start this group called uh, RC Gang, which is Red Cup Gang. And we used to do the, uh, the Red Cup Thursdays, every Thursdays, um, back in the day, a couple years ago. And I still kind of party promote here and there. And uh, met Bryce a couple years ago. We've been cool ever since. And, you know, he thought it was cool to add me on board of this black neighborhood. And I really appreciate it. My name is Uzo Wadubo. I'm from East Oakland, California. Went to Skyline High School. Graduated from San Jose State University in 2015. Um, for me, uh, met Bryce when I was in middle school. Uh, met Bryce when I was in middle school. Uh, from uh, through extension of Bryce, going out to his Howard homecoming while I was in college. I met the rest of these dudes in the black black neighborhood. Kimani, Corey, and Royce, and then this summer after I graduated is when I hooked up with Defcon and met him too. Um, for me, I guess being in the black neighborhood, like I said, I just want to see unity. What pushed me to really be in it was after seeing the what Bryce uh, asked us to bring to the table. I felt like it was for the first time something that we could actually do and put to action. And it's a lot of talking that goes on with you know a lot of a lot of things in in our community and for the first time I felt like instead of just talking about it or complaining we actually could do something about it and you know while doing the the events we did and the many more events we will do um I just the positivity we are seeing from everyone is kind of you know it, it kind of gives us a little sense of hope that you know things can change around around where we from so yeah Hey, my name is Ephraim Defcon Vivas, and uh, 23, I'm a freelance illustrator, producer, and photographer, and I pretty much met Bryce, <clears throat> met Bryce through, uh, he was looking for some artwork for uh, his music, and I, I, we started our relationship there pretty much, and uh, did a painting for him, and then it grew from there, and he introduced me to the idea of the black neighborhood, and uh, Pretty much been, you know, making visuals for that and been supporting the cause ever since then. But I'm pretty much just a skate, skateboarding kid from Oakland. Always drew. Um, been into music and stuff like that. <laughs> Bryce, uh, international Jesus Fluellen, um, East Oakland, California, born and raised. Uh, 2015, Howard University graduate, man. And I think for me, most importantly, what I want to be known for is just being a leader, man. I think that. It's cool to like to do different stuff, but that's everything that I do falls in line with that. And so, like I said, like this black neighborhood stuff, it was something that just was brewing inside of me, inside of all of us. And I felt like it was a time for us to just really put, you know, put um put our moves in action. And I think that uh like just moving forward, I just want everybody that anybody that's out here listening to this, just know that you can make a change right now, whatever your circumstances. You don't have to have any uh, large amount of money. You don't have to have I don't know, designing clothes, whatever. You don't have to have anything but what you, just you. 
Like, it's power in you just being who you are. And once you realize that, I feel like you'll be able to make um, meaningful impact in, in lives. And for me, it's just like, man, it's time. 2016, ain't no telling when we have kids like two, three, four years from now what the world's going to be like. And so if we want to really, you know, make a difference and want to see something, like see it positive and see it change, it's up to us right now. And that's what I want to push. Like, I got to keep pushing that. It's up to us to do it. Not nobody else. We can't ask for nobody else. Our older people, they're old and they're on their way out. Sorry to say that, but they gave us all the knowledge that we need. And everything that we need is out in the universe, man. So keep doing your stuff. Don't let nobody tell you nothing. If you want to do something, if you want to be a rapper, be a rapper. But if you're going to rap, know that you got a voice and use it wisely. I hate to see us as artists and individuals doing something and saying stuff when we know what the truth is. Like If you know the truth, you got to spread that truth. And that's really it, man. West Coast all day. Hey, Sue's giving free game. Hello. Uh, so uh, I noticed a lot of HBCU alum. Uh, what was that black college like? How did the black college experience shape who you are now? Because I went to a predominantly white institute, University of Idaho, and I can remember up there like always feeling that pressure to assimilate because it was like I didn't want to be known as that angry black guy and having, and I, I didn't want to offend certain people because they did have a lot of power over me. So I always wonder what it been like, what it would have been like to be around people who I could relate to more, and like you know, let my guard down a little bit. Well, it was definitely a beautiful thing to go there and see your fellow brothers and sisters advancing, wanting better for themselves and for each other. It was like a family. My teachers looked out for me. They, if they saw me messing up, they'll put me aside. Hey, Kimani, we need you to do this. You know, like I said, I met Bryce, my brother, at Howard. He was my roommate, and it was just like I said, it was cool to see all of us coming together and enjoying ourselves, learning, educating ourselves, and just putting it back out there. Um, <clears throat> going to a historically black college, my bad, helped me to understand the power of black people and the fact that, especially on the East Coast, there's a huge number of successful black people. Coming from Richmond, I wasn't used to seeing five to 10 guys together kicking it, you know, not, doing something they shouldn't have been doing. But when I went to Morehouse, suddenly it's like random black men just nodding their head, greeting me, speaking to me. I saw the love. Then I go to Howard and I see it even more. And I meet women, men who, whose families have been successful their entire lives, whose parents and grandparents went to college. And I learned like, wow, there's a lot of legacy, even within our few generations, you know, here in the U.S., here in Richmond, in Berkeley, in Oakland, and it's up to us to tap into it. Yeah, pretty much yeah, the same thing everybody else said. Uh, for me, it was just like, that was really the first time when I got to see every different type of black person. Like, every different type. So you got the, like, the quote-unquote, I guess, hood black person. You got the, the wealthy black person. You got the considered weird black person. You got the bougie black person. All different types. And it was, like, cool because it was like, damn. I, you know, growing up in Oakland, I, I saw one type of black person, you feel me? And that was the one that, you feel me, was pretty much hood. We knew what we was doing. We knew better, but it, that was all I seen. So to be around these people and call these people my friends, it was just cool just to see that we're all different, but we're all the same because we're black and we have that commonality. And so um, for me, once I, after leaving that, it's like you can go anywhere in the world and be comfortable in your own skin. That's, that's the main thing, too, like just being comfortable in your own skin confident in your blackness like we can go anywhere we can go around white people and other races and not feel uncomfortable and not feel like damn we can't say this and say that and it's like that's what we strive for that's the way we win like black pe other people i feel like white people other races they want us to feel like damn we, we're inferior but when you start feeling superior to, no matter who you're around 
they can feel that. And I think that's something that's contagious and that's something that Howard University taught me and taught all of us. Mm-hmm. Definitely served as motivation as well. Just, you know, maybe out in our community, we might have been the only black folks really doing positive things. But when we went to Howard, we saw other black folks really making power moves. And that made me want to do better. That made my brother want to do better. That made us all want to come together and really make a change. What issues are you guys most adamant about in the community right now? Like, what's something that's like, you know, like really gets you going? The lack of quality and just fair black education. That's the thing that upsets me the most. You know, I, I went to a private middle school. Well, sorry, I went to a private elementary and a private high school. So seeing both worlds really like just opened my eyes. I saw what it was like on the other side where you have wealthy white kids going to school every day and it was a completely different world. And I think that these black kids need a chance and they need to see what education can be like when it's not like military style and when it's really for their best interest. Um, I think uh, for me, I partly realized in the, the food that we eat is, is horrible in the black community. <clears throat> and uh, basically how we feel is based off what we put in our bodies. And most of the food, there's, there's no main good source. There's no whole foods in the hood. And there needs to be because Jack in the Box, Church's Chicken, and fucking CVS isn't going to do it. You know what I mean? Um, what you put in is what you get out. And, you know, when you're hopped up on hot sauce and fucking 40s, sometimes that shit gets to you. Uh, for me, what upset me the most is uh, the parenting. Um, I see a lot of young parents out here teaching all their kids bad things and not the right things, you know? I don't know about all of y'all or anything or how y'all was raised, but I'm pretty sure y'all see kids out here and how they, and how they being raised. They being taught the, the, latest, the latest songs and these latest dance moves and I feel like the cell phones and being on the internet at a young age too is, is messing up a lot of kids too. It's what they see and they mimic. Yeah, you're getting exposed to stuff that we probably wouldn't have never seen till we, you know, you, you're 10, you're getting exposed to stuff that I didn't see till I was 19, you know? Absolutely. So, like, so yeah, I say, I say it, starts with, it starts with us and it starts with the parents, what you're teaching your kids. So whatever you're teaching your kids, that's what's gonna come back and come out. So for me, I say the parents and what's upset me and I feel like we gotta do a better job at teaching our and educating our kids. Uh, for me, man, it's really just the self-hate shit. Like, not that I promote violence or anything, but think about it. If, you, if you're in a neighborhood, right, you're in a predominantly black neighborhood, and there's two people walking down the street, you got a, and it's a group of niggas right here on the corner. You got a black person that, walk, a black person that walks past them and a white person that's walk past them. Who they going to mess with first? You know the answer, the black person. And it's why, why is that? Like, not to say, like, you feel me, I don't want anybody to get harmed, but it's why is in every community and everything that we do, we always turn it back on each other. And we need to start directing that anger and hate towards something positive. But it's like, man, every, th- every time, like you say, like said earlier, I look on social media, we got to say we watch an award show and a black person is performing. First time they mess up, who I see down my timeline talking about it? Black people. Oh, what the fuck he doing? He messed up. He messed up. Or like pointing out all our flaws. And it's like, why do we do that? Like, well, we conditioned, bro. We are conditioned like that. Is that absolutely so? For me, I want to change that narrative, bro. I want us to be able to uplift each other and empower each other and everything, good or bad, get our people together and put us all on one united front. Because I think that the more that we do that, the more that it's going to be easier for us as a whole to move and unite. We can't do nothing unless we. I mean, why we're divided. If we're divided, nothing's going to happen, right? You look at any issue, it's always black people on this side saying something and then black people on the other side. Why not come together? And if we can't 
find a, a, I guess, a common answer, at least compromise and be able to work on one accord and have one voice. And so for me, it's the self-hate. I think, I think what's the biggest uh, misunderstanding of unity is that people think it's like the absence of difference when really it's the acceptance of it. You feel what I'm saying? Like unity is realizing that like we all have some, we all have these differences, but that that's okay. That these differences don't have to be our, um, I guess like a cause, a cause for, for us to, um, to be apart. We don't have to be separated just because we're different. So it's uh it's Malcolm X's birthday. I can't believe I didn't state that at the beginning. So I just want to know, like, when y'all when y'all hear about my when y'all think of Malcolm X, like, what comes to mind? Uh, for me, when I was in college, I learned for the first time that uh, during you know the civil rights movement and whatnot, a lot of the black community actually sided with Malcolm X over Martin Luther King because Martin Luther King was kind of the peacemaking, you know, turn the other cheek. While Malcolm X was like, no, if they hit you, you know, hit you back. And I think that was something that really opened my eyes uh, to him. You know, I didn't really, I, I wouldn't say, I, I didn't know that much about him growing up. You know, that was just a dude. You know, I knew who he was because the name and whatnot, but I didn't really look into him. I knew Denzel played him in a movie, you know, and I knew he used to be a pimp. That's that's what I really, I mean, to keep him 100, you know. But then, but then honestly, when when I really learned, learned I think I learned it from my sociology uh, teacher. In, in college, but when she when she really told me that, that kind of opened my eyes because that's kind of the I feel like the side we need to take. You know, it, it's it's enough of that. You know, turning the other cheek, letting it bygones be bygones. I think it's time that we stand up. It's time that it's time that we fight back with resistance. You know, because I think over time we just getting you know looked looked at as you know they just it's it's gonna die down. It's it's whatever. You know. Uh, one thing that always that like opened my eyes too was was the simple fact that out of America kind of mistreats all the minorities it 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 has brought brought in, but I feel like African Americans are the one race that didn't kind of get that apology, quote unquote, you know, from from America. And I think it's kind of like you know you look at everything else as just like slavery, get over it, you know. And I think that that that's one of the things I that you know I, that really disgusts me, honestly. And like I said, I think Michael Max is one of them dudes that would have spoke up on it, you know, and would have fought back with resistance to everything that's going on, you know, pro, pro, police brutality and you know everything we've seen in the black community that's negative. The autobiography of Malcolm X is probably the most influential book I've ever read in my life. Um, and that really taught me a lot about Malcolm X, about learning, about growth, about change. Uh, even, you know, Martin Luther King, unfortunately, is only promoted with his most watered down speeches, you know? And he definitely wasn't, or he was different than Malcolm X, but he was far more aggressive than what the general population tries to make us think with the I have a dream speech. Like he, he had so many more powerful speeches. Malcolm X, on the other hand, you can't really water that down. You, you know, all you can do is look at it for what it is and respect him for his feelings and for his growth. Happy birthday, Malcolm X, you feel me? Yeah, man, happy birthday to the legend, man. For me, it was just him not being afraid to speak out, man. Like, if you look at his interviews, a week before he was assassinated, he was still saying the same stuff, anything he believed in. They assassinated him, obviously, because he spoke out on Elijah Muhammad and all that stuff. But my thing was for him just to have that voice and not be scared to use it. Like, we really, as individuals, got to work on being God-fearing people. And what, you know, what we mean by that is only, that's the only person we fear is God. Nobody else in this world can scare us, and so I felt like that's what that was, that's what it was for him. He knew that his life was close to coming to an end, but he didn't care, and he still said up until the last day, 
what he felt. And I feel like that's what we need to take from him. Just that power of, of if you, you know, like I said, speaking the truth and knowing better and doing better. And so, like I said, man, happy birthday to Malcolm X, RIP. All right, man. So my, um, my last question is, uh, what can we expect from the black neighborhood moving forward? What, oh, uh, what can we expect from the black neighborhood moving forward? Uh, probably in June, we got the, uh, we're going to do the black neighborhood community, uh, community picnic or barbecue. So that means just giving back to the community, letting the people know that we here. And then also what in July, yeah. you want to talk oh, yeah. about that? and in July, we got the, uh, first annual, um, forever Oakland music festival. And so what that's going to be is just like, man, really promoting that home base. And most of us in here are from Oakland. And so, what I'm doing and working all of us together, we're working with um, getting all Oakland artists, um, Oakland vendors, and really just promoting that. We have the location, and it's going to be in Jack London at the Independent Brewing Company, July 23rd from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. So mark that day. I know it's two months ahead. Um, but, yeah, man, that's that's something that's going to be big for the culture um, in general. Like, I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm a rapper at heart. And so I felt like it was time for us as Oakland to get that proper shine. And there's people out here doing everything in music. Rex, Rex Life Rod, shout out to you, bro, for real. Like, niggas been listening and following your movement and seeing how you was able to progress and really move. And so I feel like we need that too. It's a time for everybody to come together. Berkeley, Oakland, all fronts, Bay Area in general, but forever Oakland Festival. So if you, you know, around in the area, come out and you'll see. We're also definitely open um, to helping all, well not all, but you know, any organization that shares a similar vision. We also have a few speaking engagement and just a lot of things coming up, a lot of things in the air, but we are definitely open, you know, to work with whoever and really do anything and everything that we can. Oh yeah, and we work with, uh, and in a couple, in another month we'll be working with a group called Burial Helping Hands. We work with them, I believe every first or second Sunday. Um, and we pick different cities in the neighborhood to pass our lunch to the homeless. So we trying to get involved in everything, have our hands in everything, you know, just trying to help the community in every which way possible. The next event, sorry, just to, just to reiterate that, the next event next week, Thursday, <coughs> uh, May 26th, um, 12 to 3 p.m. is the grocery giveaway, uh, People's Baptist Church. 8825 MacArthur Boulevard. So if you want to help volunteer and you feel like, you know, you want to be a part of it, email us at theblackneighborhood at gmail.com and we'll be sure to help you and um, allow you or, you know, come with us to volunteer and it'll be a great day for everybody. IG too. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Instagram, The Black Neighborhood. Um, uh, so far, those are our two means of communication, email, Instagram. We're working on the website right now. So when that's up and running, you guys will know about it. But yeah, follow us. And you can email us anything, ideas, suggestions. We know that, you know, we are the black neighborhood and we are only as strong as essentially everyone in the neighborhood, everyone in the community, you know. Shout out to the black neighborhood, man. I appreciate y'all coming to bless my show, man. It's my first episode, you know, I uh, didn't know what to expect. I appreciate y'all patience, man. I really respect what y'all got going on mm -hmm. from one black man to another, man. I'm telling you, it's really motivating, bro. Like. It really, it really makes me, you know, want to put my best foot forward because, like I said, man, it's, it's nobody's fault, but it is our responsibility. Like, with all us being college-educated, with all us being well-rounded, conscious, I think we got to spread that, you know. So I want to I want to thank you all, man, and I wish you all the best of luck. We appreciate you having us, thank too, you, man. Shout out to my guys, man. <laughs> so you just heard the first episode of Hella Black. I'm the host, Delincey Parham. Follow me on Twitter, at 7Baldwin. Shout out to the Black Neighborhood, man. Appreciate those guys for coming through. 
They're doing some great things. I'm excited about the future. Um, shout out to African Black Coalition. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at African Black Coalition. That's African with a K. A-F-R-I-K-A-N. Black Coalition. Hit up the website AfricanBlackCoalition.org and follow us on Twitter at A Black Coalition. And shout out to Malcolm X. Happy birthday. And uh, Black is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>